We cannot talk about CX or brand interaction without also talking about the brand ambassadors that get the most face time with customers, those being the support agents. Not only do they represent your brand, but they are also the people who are typically dealing with the most sensitive interactions, the ones in which customers are experiencing a problem when they're the most frustrated. Here to chat about the agent experience is none other than Teresa Anania, Zendesk's SVP of Global Customer Success, Renewals, and Customer Experience. Let's dive right in. Welcome to Now Brands Talk. This is a show for leaders who want to close the brand interaction gap and bridge that tricky divide between brands and the people who love them. Let's listen in. Welcome, Teresa. Very excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks. Our pleasure. And I think that you are very uniquely positioned to talk with our listeners about the perspective of the customer support agent. Given your role, given Zendesk, um, I think that your point of view is going to be extremely interesting. I'm excited to dive in. Um, But just before we do that, share with uh, our listeners a little bit about your role and about Zendesk more generally. Sure. So Zendesk is really a service for CRM company. You know, we build software that's truly designed to just enable our customers to provide these unbelievable differentiated customer experiences um, and also employee experience as well. And, you know, what's so cool about my role, as you said, I lead our global customer success um, renewals and customer experience organizations here. And the really great thing is that You know, I work with customers that do exactly what I do. So we can collaborate, we can ideate on what's happening in the space of CX, innovations that are happening, things that I'm testing out, you know, building inside of Zendesk to help serve our customers. So it's really Zendesk on Zendesk. And it's really Mm. fun to be in the role that I am because I get to talk about what I love every day with my customers. That's so interesting. I never really thought about it from that perspective. You're all talking the same language. It's like you're working every day with a network of your own peers. Um, Yeah, I can imagine that would be very energizing. Um, So let's dig in. Uh, Teresa, one of the things I mentioned in the intro is that support agents increasingly um, are becoming your brand ambassadors. You know, they're on the front line uh, talking to your customers. And I think more brands are coming to appreciate that. How do you see the role of a support agent evolving? And, and would you agree with that characterization? Yes. I mean, I really do. I think over my years, I've been, you know, in the CX space for now, let's see, seven years, probably in one of the very early infancy stages of, you know, SaaS and subscription model. Um, And I have seen the support organization transform immensely because obviously with SaaS, with subscription, you need to earn your customer's business each and every year. And I think from early days, what I saw was a very ad hoc, you know, reactive, kind of a disconnected, just a break fix operation. And now like over the years, I think everyone would agree service is a key moment of truth with our customers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, more and more, they are looking for a more personalized, contextualized experience. And so it's really about how we leaders equip 
our agents to have all that rich customer insight right at their fingertips. And I think that is key. I think it has really elevated their role to have a true impact on the customer loyalty, frankly, and then ultimately their lifetime value. Love that. You use the word reactive, which is historically, I would agree, years ago, how customer service was really oriented. Would you say that it's become more proactive, especially um, in the SaaS world, you know, getting ahead of those renewals, building long-term relationships proactively? Yeah, I think overall CX has a really great opportunity for both reactive and proactive engagement. I do think mm. that service still lends towards a little bit more reactive, you know, waiting for inbound, but that inbound can connect a conversation that turns from that original need or that ask to something that evolves to how do you get more value out of the solution you have? Or how do I make sure I hand this off to a more technically specialized agent or experience that allows you to dig deeper on the questions and the areas that you're exploring? So I think it's a combination. And I do think that um, data and insights, even for some of that inbound, allows us to have more of a what's going to happen next approach so right. that we can, as agents, have our agents be one step ahead of where the customers mm. may be. It's really a blurring of the lines between reactive and proactive. To the extent that this yeah. is a longer term relationship, you're going to see that sort of ebb and flow in both directions. I love That's that. Right. So let's shift gears a little bit. Over the last few months, um, We've seen what a lot of folks are calling the great resignation, um, a lot of changes in work choice. Um, and I would imagine that this has touched CX teams as well, who maybe especially on the, you know, after the pandemic are growing increasingly frustrated dealing with disgruntled customers um, and maybe not feeling as fulfilled in their role. Um, so the thing is that support agents have the opportunity to help people and to provide a great deal of value, not, not only to those people, to the customers, but to the brands that they represent. So what do you think that businesses can do to make agents' jobs more fulfilling, especially at this time? Yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, you just think about even this evolution we talk about, how many of our agents are now not even co-located. You know, they're working remotely, mm. sometimes with not the best conditions. Um, at a minimum, there could be distractions. So look, we at Zendesk place as much emphasis on the agent experience as we do the customer experience. And frankly, on the employee experience, because think about all of the resources that agent needs in order to deliver a great customer experience isn't just typically in the hands of the agent. So the more connected that those um, workflows and handoffs can be enabled with technology, certainly like Zendesk, certainly like Ada, to provide some of that self-serve experience, some of the personalization that might get some of the basic things that customers need handled in a very effective and impactful way that allows the agent to actually work on the higher value things. 
that is what it's all about. So, you know, one of the things we do is in the UI with our agents, um, we design it out of the box, frankly, and then there's a lot of customization available to provide that agent everything they need at their fingertips when engaging with the customer. So it allows them mm. to not have, you know, what we call swivel chair, where they're looking at like five different systems Everything can be integrated, even from data and other sources outside of Zendesk, into one unified agent UI. And we think by having that, it has really increased the engagement level of our agents. And honestly, across our customer base, we also hear of the importance of even just the, the soft skill, not just the hard skills of the job requirements, but rewards, recognition, awards programs, certainly their compensation mm. package. And we found some great best practices around providing opportunities for bonuses that are you know, aligned to the critical goals of the company. I mean, this on top of some wellness initiatives, which we're pretty proud some of the things we've rolled out you know, in Zendesk and we share with our customers, it's that holistic view that really gives our agents like the much deserved recognition that, that they really have because they're the face with many of our customers, often even when some of the other engagement points may not be happening. That that agent yeah. is, is a, a main source of the brand. Yeah. You've said so many important things there. Um, this idea that the customer experience, even the broader brand experience is in many ways as an extension of the employee experience. Um, I love that. Um, I've never heard the term swivel chair. I love that term. I'm definitely going to steal that. I don't know if you coined that term, but I love it. Um, I don't and so. <laughs> uh, this, this, idea, this idea as well that, um, and we talk about this a lot at ADA, that you want to use your human agents, you know, your expensive skilled resources wisely, that you don't want your agents acting as robots. You want to automate what you can so that they're freed to work on the highest value opportunities. So I love all of that. Great answer. Um, so when you, you mentioned as well data, I want to double click there. So you said that, you know, the access to data and the context that agents get from data is part of what empowers them to have more impact. Talk a little bit more about that. Um, tell us a little bit about what kinds of data is really valuable and how does that get leveraged to improve both the agent experience and the customer experience? Yeah, well, I kind of alluded to it in that unified agent UI, but you are absolutely mm. right. It's not just like different transactions. We actually really help our customers build what's called a customer 360 view. That allows all the customer facing teams, not just the, the support group, the relevant customer insights and then clear actionability. So what is some of the data that I have seen has been most impactful in, in that kind of view? You know, first of all, your basics, like obviously the, the customer spend level, you know, maybe even a value potential score as to their potential growth with your company and its solutions. Account health, mm -hmm. we've built a pretty robust account health metric that has the drivers of where that health may not be so great or where it might be super green. And that just contextualizes 
when the agent is working with that customer, what might be coming into the picture that they would have no view of if it's just a question and one you know break fixed um, answer. So we really use that customer 360 to trigger proactive motions by my CS organization, but also contextualize the way we respond when customers interact. And I think that's a big part of it. I also think using the data about the customer, the critical elements, like for instance, what if you knew or could determine their maturity level with your solutions? Are they heavily Mm -hmm. advanced? Are they pretty novice in use? If you can use some of those critical attributes to segment and route your customer to the right agent in the first place, you talk about agent experience. Imagine if they're working on all the things that they're most designed to help and not have to keep handing yeah, it they off. become true specialists. Yeah, they become true right. specialists, right? That's right. And imagine the customer experience not having to go through three or four handoffs. So using data, not only at the view of the agent at their fingertips, so they don't have to go from different system to different system, but also using it to trigger and, and route is a key element of, of some of what we see out there. So really, to st- it's the data that allows you to streamline and personalize that experience, both for the end user and the agent, so that there's good good alignment between the two. I That's love that. exactly right. Um, so talk to me about what it looks like from the brand perspective when the support agents have all of these tools and the data that they need um, so that they're empowered to knock it out of the park. What, what's, the, what's the business benefit there? We've talked about the benefit to the customer. We've talked about the benefit to the agent. What does it look like from the brand perspective? Yeah, I think when you have these connected conversations, you know, that it isn't just a one way, I have a question and here's your answer, and you provide that ability for personalization, what ends up happening is the customer experience, if you think about their experience with your company as like a scorecard. And by the way, I contend it is a constantly running scorecard. And you really, data and research proves that in any great relationship, you have to have five great things to one bad thing because you know we're all going to make mistakes, right? We're all going to have those moments where an SLA isn't met or there's like a light outage or something that just isn't a great experience. If you can combat that with five great things, and I contend every one of those moments of truth with support yield a great potential opportunity to just balance that scorecard to the positive. Research and data shows when you have five great things to one bad thing as a ratio, I'll just say you retain that relationship. And then beyond that, you see the lifetime value. So I really do believe you can attribute the engagements in support to the actual business outcomes of retention and expansion Mm. upsell. Makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Certainly we see that at ADA with our customers as well. So um, agree with you. Okay, we have a question from one of our listeners who emailed us at podcast at ada.support. So to all of our listeners, send in your questions. This one is from Lindsay, and she asks, support is transforming from a cost center to a revenue center. So Teresa, do you think that support teams will start being held accountable to revenue KPIs? Hmm, Interesting question. Yeah, it's a great question. 
you know, um, monetization of high value offerings in support, like I think that's beautiful. And I'm not saying every company is ready for that, but when you're able to provide a high value offering, like a differentiated VIP service, and you can monetize that, I think it's a great thing. It really enables the CX org overall to self-fund growth. So I'm a huge fan of that. Okay. But in addition, even without a monetized cohort of your service offerings, we know the great customer experiences in support. Again, it's back to that scorecard. It correlates to retention yep. and net expansion rate. I really do think that having a metric to show the attribution of support on the key business goals is actually a really good thing. Because I mean, if you think about it, who wants to be part of an overhead organization? So while I don't know that like they will hold yeah. a revenue number, I do think that we as leaders will want to show that correlation because I think it helps make the business case of the investment. Yeah, it seems that brands are coming around to this idea that customer experience is a meaningful differentiator. It's not just a cost center. And I think by elevating these types of metrics, thinking about these opportunities from a revenue perspective, I agree with you, it's it's validating that sort of with data. Um, so definitely agree there. We like to wrap up these conversations, Teresa, with a quick lightning round of questions so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit. So I'm going to fire them at you. Are you ready? I guess. Okay. Don't be scared. You can pass. Um, okay. So tell me, are you a beach person or a mountain person? I'm a beach person for sure. I love the beach. I agree. I'm the same. Um, do you have, I was just talking about this the other day with my CEO, how mugs that you, you know, when you drink your coffee or your tea in the morning, it's such a ritual. And um, I have a favorite mug. Do you have a favorite mug and what does it look like? Yeah, I'm going to pick a traveling mug because my life is always on the road. Um, so I don't often get to enjoy like my favorite morning coffee with like a nice, beautiful mug. It's usually in a Yeti and I could take that on the road if I'm you know driving to my workout. I can take it when I'm driving to see my kids at college campuses. So um, or take it, you know, um, frankly, wherever I travel. So to me, it's Yeti. My favorite mug is also a Yeti, and I don't even use it for travel. It's one of those Yeti mugs with a handle, and that's what I use every morning. So I second that vote for Yeti. Um, what's well, a book that you've read different. more than once? Oh, that's easy. That's Let's true. See. Good to yes. great. Yeah, good to great. Good to great. I love that book. Um, I would read it three times. It's a good one. I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list. So I'll have to read it at least once. Um, so tell me, um, uh, I'm on a quest to find out why the brand interaction gap exists. And so as part of that, I'm compiling a list of the worst brand interactions that people have had. What is your worst brand interaction? You know, I would have to say the airlines and any one of them, honestly, I just, every time Ugh, I'm interacting, airlines come up I, all the time. Yes. I just can't feel, I just feel like a number. I can't, 
I just can't get away from the idea that they just want me to go away. They really don't embrace service as an opportunity, you know, to engage with their customers. It's just about that metric of like, how quickly can I check the box that this is over? Um, it just feels mm. horrible. It really does. Yeah, we hear that a lot on this podcast. And share with our listeners, what is the best brand interaction you've ever had? And what about it was so special? You know, I think it is all about expectation and then whether you exceed or fall short of that. And in mine was Amazon and Microsoft, because I really thought that my that expectation wise, if there's such a huge company, there's no way I'm going to get to a helpful human. And I'll tell you what, in e in each case, it was easy. Um, they had a contextual, you know, list of things that I had already done with prior agents, if you will. So they, they knew where I left off. It wasn't like I was starting over. And honestly, I was, I was shocked. I was expecting far worse and I was very delighted. Well, I haven't heard Microsoft before, but we hear Amazon a lot. And in some ways they've sort of set that bar, but interesting, what you've highlighted is that with both of those brands, they've sort of checked all of the boxes of the things that we've talked about today. I like to highlight some of those takeaways from these discussions that we have so that listeners can turn the podcast into real action. Um, so I'm just going to highlight a few that we cover today. Keep me honest here, Teresa. We talked about how companies need to place as much emphasis on the agent and employee experience as the customer experience and that the two are very much related. And that means arming agents um, with the right tools and the right context that they need to do their jobs to diminish those feelings of frustration that they often have and to free them to focus on the things that are of highest value for their customers. Um, and it's really incumbent on the leaders to make sure that agents are enjoying all of the rewards of a great career in service. You talked about you know, competitive uh, compensation and opportunities for bonus and to have those aligned with some of those critical goals of the business. So I loved that. Um, we talked about the, the importance of data and that it shouldn't be collected just for the sake of collecting data, but that really what you're trying to do is create these 360 degree customer profiles so that they can have good context for both reacting, but also to, to, so that they can anticipate the needs of their customers going forward and segment them based on their needs and interests. And then lastly, when your customer experience is good enough, and the ratio is that I think you talked about how you need five good things to offset the impact of a bad thing, but that if you can sort of master that ratio, you are able to sustain and grow that customer relationship and increase the lifetime value. And that 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 those you know that ratio can actually be attributed to broader business interests. So I loved how you talked about that and framed it within the context of that ratio. Um, really interesting. And then I'm just going to call out the swivel chair. All of our listeners should avoid swivel chair because I love that term. Um, right. So thank you so much, Teresa, for joining us today and sharing your insight. Um, really, really interesting. Share with everyone how people can get in touch with you. Uh, well, I would love to talk with any of you. So at any time, um, my my email is tanania, T-A-N-A-N-I-A, at zenvest.com. Certainly I'm on LinkedIn. So anyway, would love to hear from all of you because I think we all share such common passion around customer experience. 
Agreed. And along those same lines, if anyone would like to connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And if you have any burning questions that you'd like to have answered on the podcast or you'd like to share your feedback, please do send an email to podcast at ada.support. We love hearing from you. And if you'd like to hear more conversations about closing the brand interaction gap, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much, Teresa. You've been listening to Now Brands Talk, a podcast by Ada. Stay connected by subscribing to the show, leaving us a rating and comment, and emailing us your feedback and questions at podcast at ada.support. Your support and feedback ensure future episodes will address your interests with fresh discussion and insight about how brands talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time.